0: you're listening to the Wealthy Future Lawyer Squad podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Klein. I've created a signature coaching program for law students to show you how to build confidence, design your dream life, create wealth, and thrive in law school and beyond. I am here to show you how to work on both your money and your mind so you too can become a wealthy future lawyer. Let's get started, squad. Welcome back to the Wealthy Future Lawyer Squad podcast. My name is Lauren Klein, and I am so happy to have you back on the podcast today. Today, we're gonna do something a little bit different. It's gonna be a little bit more casual than some of my other solo episodes. We're gonna go through my story, who I am, how I got to where I am, why I created the Law School Blueprint for her, all the things. So I'm gonna take you back to about 2008, 2009. So I was finishing up my undergraduate degree and I was a finance major. And so you can picture this, you know, the world is kind of the financial market is crumbling. It was a really crazy time. I was interning at Merrill Lynch and the broker that I was interning for said, listen, you might wanna think about doing something else right now. The financial industry is kind of a mess. Um, why don't you maybe do something else and then you can always jump back into the financial space? And I I kind of thought to myself, well, you know, my parents always said that I love to argue a lot and I'm very stubborn and analytical. And so maybe I'll go to law school. I always thought that that might be something I, I would want to do. Um, I was like, you know what, what the heck? I'll go to law school. I had no idea about law school rankings. I had no idea that some law schools were better than others. I had heard of Harvard. I'd heard of Yale, you know, things like that. But in general, I kind of thought if you went to law school, it was, you became an attorney and that was that. And who cared about, you know, whether it was a good school or not. And so I, I actually only applied to one law school. So I had a friend who was already um, applying to St. Thomas University School of Law here in Miami, Florida. and I was like, well, that's close to my house. that sounds great. I'll apply there. Why not? It's a law school. I get to become an attorney. So I only applied to that one law school, which is so crazy now now that I look back at that. but they offered me a 75% scholarship and I figured, hey, that sounds that sounds great. you know I might as well take the scholarship, go to law school, take my three years, see what happens after that. I had no idea if I wanted to practice law, if I wanted to do something else, but I kind of just figured if I'm an attorney, if I know how the law works, then if I start a business or no matter what I do, I'll have a leg up on a lot of people and no one will be able to mess with me and I'll have confidence in in what I'm doing because, you know, because I'm an attorney. And so I went to law school, they are still not knowing whether I'd practice or not, um, but I ended up taking a business and corporations type class business entities whatever whatever it was called and I did really well I got the book award I got the highest grade and the professor that taught that class also taught the tax classes and so he said, hey why don't you take a tax class And I think he I think he wanted me to take a tax class in a summer semester and I was like no way I don't take summer classes you know my first my first semester of law school I studied abroad we talked about that in my episode with lawyer Britt um, I was just outside of Madrid in El Escorial in Spain. Um, and then my second summer, I was like, no, I'm going to go intern for a judge, um, a judge who was in the criminal division. And I tax class on a summer sounded like the worst possible thing I could do with my time. But he convinced me to take it in the fall. And I ended up taking federal income tax. And I actually loved it, which was very shocking and surprising to me again, I got the highest grade in the class. I got the book award and I was like, wow, I think I'm onto something here. I think this kind of makes sense. And the more that I I took tax classes, I realized, wow, this actually is really similar to when I was in finance. It's a lot of the same clients. It's a lot of the same type of work. It's still in that, you know, financial wealth management, wealth building kind of space. Um, And so I ended up, getting, um, into, I applied to different LLM programs. By now I was starting to get a little bit wiser. Like you don't just apply to one program. So I applied to all of the top LLM programs in the U S. Um, for those who maybe don't know what an LLM is, that is a master's of law. There's different types of LLMs that you can obtain, but one of the most common ones is taxation tax. And so I applied to, at you know, the top five schools I got into, I think I got into all of them or most of them. I honestly don't even remember now, but I got into University of Florida, which I think at that point was either number one or number two. It was that and, and NYU were always kind of like flip-flopping back and forth as to which was the the, the, the better one. Um, but I knew that I wanted to go to school. I wanted to work down here and the cost of UF versus NYU was very significantly different. Um, the cost of UF was a state school and obviously living expenses in, in Gainesville, which is where UF are, is, um, are much less expensive than Manhattan, obviously for obvious reasons. And so I went to UF and while i was there all the big accounting firms and the big law firms were doing you know their um oci their on campus recruiting and i interviewed with i think at that point none of the law firms even were interested in me i think i applied and they they just were like nope but i got interviews with i think all or maybe the three of the big four accounting firms so i interviewed with deloitte i interviewed with pwc um and I got a, a job offer from Deloitte, which was fantastic. So I was able to, that was halfway through my semester while I was up there getting my LLM. So I was able to kind of, for the first time, it felt like in years since I started law school, I was able to breathe a little bit. I had a job. It wasn't really paying that great. I think my starting salary was like 65000 um, which, you know, is maybe great, but if you have to, I, what did I have? I think I had $120,000 in student loans at that point. Not not the highest that I've heard, but you know, 65000 with all those loans was a little like, ooh, this doesn't seem like that much. But I was like, hey, this is a great job. It's going to look great on my resume. I get to work in this big fancy building, you know, in downtown Miami, overlooking the water, um, you know, benefits, all the things. So I was like, well, this is great. I'll take this job. Started out there. I have to say, I really, at Deloitte, I I worked with some really wonderful people. One of the best bosses that I ever had was the the guy that I worked for at Deloitte. He was really, really sweet, sweet man. Um, He, you know, I lived in Fort Lauderdale where I still live now. And he would be like, oh, I'll drive to meet you in Boca, you know, so you don't have to come to Miami. So really great people. But I quickly realized that big four public accounting just was not the right fit for me whatsoever. So after about a year, I decided to go to a boutique firm, um, and go into private practice rather than, rather than public accounting. Um, I knew a lot of attorneys who started in public accounting. Most don't stay a few sometimes do, but usually, um, if people are going into the tax space, they kind of use the big four as like a, you know, springing board for their next job. Also, when I graduated, the economy was still kind of getting better. So the law firms were not hiring as much as they are now. And kind of a fun fact and something that's interesting, now law firms, as opposed to then, are really having a hard time retaining kind of that mid-level associate um, type level. And so I think that that could open up a lot of opportunity for people to kind of follow the same career path that I did where I started in, you know, big four accounting, but then I went to a boutique firm. And I ultimately use that to get into big law, and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people to do that if big law is something you know that you're interested in. So was with the boutique firm. I kind of jumped around a little bit between a few boutique firms, which a lot of people were like, "Don't do that. That's a bad idea. It doesn't look good on your resume." But I was like, "Well, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm happy and where you know make this law career thing makes sense." Um, and it was really stressful. The first few years of being an attorney can be really, really tough. I felt like, kind of like I felt like in law school, like I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I didn't know, you know, I had no, I had very little confidence in my abilities. I was really stressed out. I felt like, go back and listen to the the episode with Angela Vorpal where You know, we were talking about how we in law school and then as brand new attorneys, we felt like very much like everyone's like kind of playing hide the ball. Like we're not going to tell you how this works. We're not going to really tell you what you need to do to succeed. You have to figure it out yourself and best of luck. And that's how I felt very much so my first few years of practice. Um, So when I was kind of bouncing around between a couple of boutique firms, I ended up at a, a firm in Boca Raton that was really well known um, and as far as like boutique firms for estate planning, tax and probate litigation. So they hired me. I was the only tax associate in the whole firm. so there was a bunch of partners and me, which was kind of intimidating and a little crazy. That's usually not how the business model of law firms are supposed to work. Typically, you want like a lot of associates and a few partners managing them. Um, but for reasons that I would eventually figure out, um, it, they were having a hard time keeping associates. It was a really hard few years. They gave me a lot of work. I was really overworked and underpaid, I would say. But the big silver lining to working there was they really gave me a lot of very interesting matters, a lot of different types of estate planning and tax planning, writing memos on sophisticated issues, doing research, drafting estate plans, um, litigating IRS type cases, so I got a lot of very very valuable experience while I was there which was huge. Um I remember when I left and I went to Holland and Knight, they one of the partners said we're kind of like the Marlins, you know, we we train you up and we make you really good and then and then you leave us. Marlins is a baseball team here in South Florida for those who don't know that. But I really did learn a lot while I was there. It was really really hard though. I remember I would wake up every day so stressed out. I wouldn't you know, take the time to like have a good morning and a peaceful morning and set it up the way that I now do or I try to do now. I wasn't aware that that would actually make my day better, make me more productive. I was very stressed out. The 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 environment in that law firm was very toxic in a lot of ways, although I wouldn't trade it for anything because I learned so much and there were partners who did try to, um, you know, really set me up in the right way. There was one partner who... Um, Really, he, he was the one that pushed me to get involved with the tax section of the Florida Bar. So for those of you who are in law school or even new attorneys, one big tip that I have and something that really helped propel my career forward was once I knew what area of law I wanted to practice in, or I guess if you're in law school, you may not fully know, but if you have an idea or you're interested join the, ta- the different sections of your state bar. So the tax section, the real property, and here in Florida, it's the real property, probate and trust law section. You know, you can join, um, I'm sure there's litigation, so there's all, you can, there's so many different sections depending on your state and where you live, but join those um, those organizations because for a number of years, I was the co-chair of the new tax lawyers section of the tax section of the Florida Bar. And we would give out scholarships. We would have people come to, you know, different um, events and seminars. Sometimes we would be at these really swanky hotels. And I was able to secure these scholarships for law students to be able to come to the meetings, stay in the hotel for free, come to the happy hours, network with other attorneys in the area that they wanted to go into or thought they wanted to go into. And I made so many valuable connections. I didn't do it when I was in law school. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, which is why I'm telling you now definitely do that because it was very wonderful for me as a newer attorney. Um, But we were literally giving away free money and saying, come to these events because these attorneys want new people. They want to know who the new talent is out there. So without going too much of a tangent on that, that me getting involved with the tax section was what really started to allow me to make a name for myself in estate planning and tax planning. And so when a position opened up at Holland and Knight, I was able to say, look, I've worked at this well-known boutique firm. I have a lot of experience. I've worked on all of these different, different types of matters. I'm really involved with the tax section. I've spoken at different events. I've put myself out there, even when it felt really scary and I felt like maybe I wasn't worthy of speaking at an event or whatever it may be. But that was really what kind of helped me and propelled me forward to get into big law. So you'll kind of you can kind of hear I took sort of a non-traditional route into big law. I didn't go right from law school to there. I didn't get hired. I wasn't coming from, you know, a really high-ranked law school. My law school was actually really good for tax law, which was fantastic and I didn't know that until I kind of fell into that area. But all that being said, I hope that there's some tips in there that will help you. But now I get to the part of my story where I where I went into big law, where I actually joined the big law firm. And I don't know why I started to kind of think about this and realize this. I think maybe I had started at that point to read a few books on personal development and listen to some podcasts from life coaches. But I just realized, I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm in this boutique firm and I don't feel worthy of, you know being here. I don't feel confident. I'm really stressed. I'm not taking time to take care of myself. My mental health is, I wouldn't say it was horrible, but it it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't ideal. And so I was like, wow, if I feel like this at a boutique firm, how am I going to survive and make it in this big corporate law firm environment where there's many more people you're working with? The stakes are a lot higher. I'm going to be making more money. Um, so many things. And so, and even, even when they offered me the job, they lowballed me. And I was like, wow, this is, this is a lot. This is like maybe what a first or second year is making at this firm. And I think at that point I was a fourth year, um, which as a fun fact, I wowed them so much the first year they gave me this like crazy raise. I think it was like $70,000 raise or something, or maybe more because they quickly realized, wow, she's really good. Um, if we don't compensate her, she's definitely just going to go down the road to, you know, Baker McKenzie or whatever it may be. But, um, I, I really got to a point where I was like, if I don't figure out what is going on in here and start to believe in myself and start to intentionally decide who I want to be and how I want to feel, um, I'm not going to make it like, this is not going to work. And so at that point at my, in my life, so I was about a fourth year attorney I really took a deep dive into personal development and personal finance, so definitely a deep dive into personal development so I could make it and I could survive this experience and not lose my mind or become depressed, or I was just worried that my anxiety anxiety levels were already so high. I'm like, how how am I going to make it if it's even a higher pressure situation So I went down the rabbit hole on personal development, but I also went down the rabbit hole on personal finance. And fun fact, those two are actually very, very intertwined. You may have figured that out already by listening to this podcast. Um, But I realized very quickly that the way that I thought about myself and the way that I talked about myself and the way that I talked about who I was and, and believed in myself was very much intertwined with the way that I talked about money, the way that I interacted with my money, my relationship with my money. And so I was like, wow, I'm earning. I think at the the boutique firm when I left, I was probably making one hundred and twenty thousand with a bonus. Um, and when I went to Holland and night, I think my initial salary was one eighty five, I want to say. Um, And so that was a significant jump. And I was also going to be potentially eligible for for bonuses on top of that 185. And I was like, okay, if I don't know how to handle my money and if I don't get my mindset right, just in here in general, and if I don't get my mindset right around money, then what am I doing all this for? Why am I making this sacrifice? I was driving from Fort Lauderdale to Brickell every single day. I'm like, why am I making the sacrifice of my time not spending as much time with my husband, not being at home as much, not going to see my friends as much. I'm going to be commuting all this time. If I'm doing this, I better make sure that these little soldier dollars are working very hard for me. So I'm not kind of squandering this opportunity that definitely was not placed in my lap. I definitely grabbed the opportunity and put it there. But, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was taking full advantage. And I also wanted to make sure because at this point I had started to look around at more senior attorneys that I was working with or that I was networking with. And I was starting to realize that a lot of them were not happy or satisfied in their career, maybe in their lives even. And I was like, okay, I want to make sure that no matter what happens in my career, I am in control. I'm able to call the shots. If I'm not happy, I can go and do something else that I'm building my own wealth. I'm not just making more money and then immediately spending more money. Um, You know, if you go back to my episode with Amon Costigan, we talked a lot about like inflationary lifestyle creep and, and all the creeps that can happen when you start to make more money and you just, you buy a nice car and you buy a big house and you do all these things and there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. But if you're not being intentional with your spending and the way that you design your life, you very well could end up in a situation where you feel trapped. You feel like you can't make a move. You feel like you can't pivot. And I say I say feel, and I emphasize that word because I firmly believe, and I've heard it from so many, especially partners that I work with, there's no way I can retire. There's no way I can do this. So-and-so was able to retire because they had money from their parents or X, Y, Z. And I remember thinking, even as I was like in the beginning of my self-development journey, thinking... You, you say that, like, that's truth. Like, it's absolute law written the stars that you can't go to a different firm or you can't start your own firm or you can't leave the practice of law altogether. But is that actually true? Could there be, could you make some moves, some pivots in your life, some decisions, you know, and and do what you want to do? Or do you, is this just a story that you're telling yourself that it's not possible for you and you've just convinced yourself that it's truth? That I, I... Once you start thinking this way, it's very hard to kind of go back because anytime someone says something very definitively, I'm always like, but is that really true? Or is that just what you're telling yourself and your brain is telling you to keep you safe? So I'm in big law. I'm I'm working on my personal development. I'm driving hours and hours every single day. And I'm making the best use of that time. I'm listening to um, you know, personal finance and real estate investing podcasts. I'm listening to life coach podcasts. I'm listening to people who are not only successful in their careers and their businesses, but are also enjoying a level of happiness and satisfaction in their lives that I was not seeing from my colleagues and the people around me. And I was constantly feeding my brain with this, positive, healthy, inspiring, motivating, um, educational material that was really starting to spark something in me and spark a, a complete change in my life in the way that I started viewing myself and my money. And so as I'm in this firm, I'm starting to make more and more money. I'm, I'm quickly becoming a very, val- a very valuable associate. So they're paying me more. My bonuses are increasing. And I'm realizing that I had this big aha moment. I'm like, a lot of that, yes, a lot of that was happening because of the work that I was putting in and the work that I had already put in, but a lot of it was happening because I was starting to believe in myself and I was starting to hold myself out as someone who should be valued and hold myself out as someone who felt confident in their own skin and, and really was like this is me this is like if you if you if you value me and you want to keep me then you need to pay me and i mean you don't say it like that but that was the attitude and the the energy that i was really putting out and so i was quickly realizing that all of this work that i was doing behind the scenes on my mindset and my money mindset and my just approach to life was actually translating into success in my career that i had not even anticipated. And so during this time, you know, my husband and I um we started investing in real estate. We bought two different properties. We put that on hold until we kind of see what's going on with the market. And I really haven't dedicated time right now to try to find deals. I firmly believe there's always deals out there, but you gotta focus on what you're focusing on. Right now that's my law firm, Flourish Law Group, that's this podcast and my babies and my husband and my friends. Um <clears throat> so I, I got to the point where I was like, wow, this is all happening in my favor. This is all working. There's these unexpected consequences, positive consequences to the work that I'm doing on my mind. And then the pandemic hits, the pandemic hits our law firm, like many, many others completely shuts down for a very long period of time. And I was pregnant. So I got pregnant in January of 2020. Um, not realizing obviously that the pandemic was coming. And so I'm sitting in my house working so many hours because we were literally, um, it was so weird because when we when the pandemic hit, the firm actually um, withheld some of our pay. They cut our salaries. Um, they were hoping it was temporary, but who knew? Um, because they wanted to make sure that the firm had enough cash reserves, that they wouldn't have to fire anybody. Um, And so I was, I was busting my butt. I was really trying to make sure that I was billing as many hours as possible, that I was proving to them that I could be a star associate, that even though we were going through this crazy time, a global pandemic, even though I was pregnant, that I was still the best. And I was trying so, so hard to just prove myself and show that. I was worthy of the money I was making and I was worthy to have the salary increased once the pandemic was over and to get a bonus and, and all of these things. And simultaneously during this exact same time period, you know, I'm sitting there in my home office, really excluded like so many of us were. And especially because I was pregnant and I was listening to a lot of different podcasts from different life coaches. I was trying to really flood my brain with positive information trying to stay upbeat as i'm working all these crazy hours and sitting there like watching the world burn essentially and i i started thinking to myself you know we have coaching has become so prevalent and i think it is such an incredible tool when we have people in various industries and with various experiences or specialties kind of saying hey let me take your hand let me show you how i did this let me show you how I changed the way that I was thinking about my life or my goals or my dreams or, you know, how I changed the way I was approaching whatever it may be, career, or sport, and anything. I think coaching is so incredible. It's such a valuable resource, and I, I've learned the value of it over the years. But I started to think to myself, why don't we have this for law students, you know, we we hear this st- with the statistics, we've talked about it on this podcast, the, t- the statistics of mental health in law school. It's not good. And there's so many other issues too that we, you know, go back and listen to former episodes, especially the one with Angela Vorpahl, where we talk a lot about the toxic environment that law school can sometimes, um, you know, create and the kind of hide the ball mentality and all of the things. And I looked back to my own experience as an attorney and I thought, why don't we have coaches for law students? And, you know, there's coaches like Angela, which is fantastic, where it teaches you how to outline, how to study, how to prepare for the bar exam, how to uncover kind of those secrets of law school. But we don't really have coaches to say, let's take a step back. Let's analyze why you're feeling this way in law school. Let's analyze how to harness some of this energy for good rather than feeling, you know, defeated, or like our confidence is taking a big hit, or we feel like major imposters, or, you know, our stress and anxiety is through the roof, or we don't know who we want to be, or we feel like if we don't meet a certain definition of success, or we're not hitting certain external markers that we are not successful in law school, like all the things that I started to feel when I was in law school, why don't we have programs and coaches out there to help students with all of this? And it was like this very defining moment in my life where I realized, wow, maybe this is something that I'm meant to do. Maybe this is something that I'm meant to help law students with. I'm, I'm meant to kind of go back to law school, Lauren, and other people who are like me and say, hey, let's link arms, let's connect, let's make sure that we're talking about what you're going through. We're talking about the struggles, especially for first-generation law students and attorneys what are, what are you going through? It's normal. How do we reframe the situation? How do we learn to network and build those connections? How do we take our goals and actually create our dream life, our dream law school experience, our dream attorney career, whatever it may be, or if we want to pivot, whatever it is, whatever big goals we want to set, whatever dreams that we have for our life, why, why not sit down and talk about those things? And so the law school blueprint was born. Eventually it became the law school blueprint for her. Um, but that's that's a whole other story. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I, it was born. I, I started creating this program, these modules about overcoming imposter syndrome, creating confidence, setting big goals, designing your future lawyer avatar so you can start to make decisions in 1L year, year 2L year, 3L year, pre-law school to start to... Build and move your life to that future lawyer avatar that you want to create. You know, talking about money mindset, talking about finances in law school, after law school, what do lawyers make? You know, how do we reframe the uh, the negative connotations of law school debt? What are some ways to pay off law school debt without just necessarily having a salary? So many things that I started putting into this program and it really turned into something amazing and fantastic. We had, when I had, when I first launched it, we had these incredible six law students who went through a beta version. They absolutely loved it. And and the program was born and this podcast was born and everything that I'm building within my coaching program and my community for law students was born. And I really just want to emphasize that I want to be a safe space for you while you're in law school, while you're thinking about going to law school. I wanna be a resource to you that you can ask questions, that you can apply what we talk about on this podcast to your life, to your law school career, whatever it may be. So going back to that same time period, I'm gonna wrap this up really quickly um, in just a few more minutes. I created the program, it's the pandemic. I have my son in October of 2020. And I go on maternity leave. So my firm that I was with at the time, Holland and Knight, offered four months of maternity leave which was fantastic. So, you know, in other countries, people get a lot more, but in the United States, four months is pretty good. So I was really excited about having that time, you know, with my first son. It was really a wonderful experience. My my birth, which is a whole other story, the birth of my son was a little <laughs> traumatic, but once I kind of worked through that in therapy and dealt with it on my own and kind of started moving through that postpartum time period, it was really magical. It was the holidays, it was a wonderful time. So I went back, you know, to the firm thinking that things would go back to normal, business as usual. The reality was I had changed a little bit as a parent. I was still, you know, we don't talk about this as much, but I was still very much in that postpartum stage at four months. I was still breastfeeding, my son was so little. But I went back ready to work. I was ready to go back in, jump back in, do all the things. And there was really, in a lot of ways, a major shift in the way that attorneys were interacting with me, that the team that I was on was interacting with me. And one of the biggest things that happened that was disappointing and sad and it really frustrated me was my bonus was cut when I got back from my maternity leave. And It was a really hard time for me because I had worked so hard during the pandemic. I had really probably sat way too much. I had worked too many hours while pregnant. I had really put so much of my energy into trying to be the absolute best that I could be that it was very... Eye-opening when when certain things happen with my compensation because I took maternity leave, and I tell you this not as a sob story or anything like that, but one to point out that there still is so much inequity and gender bias in the legal field law school, law firms, whatever it may be, but also something very interesting happened from that experience. I was very, like I said, I was very sad, very frustrated, very disappointed by that happening and a lot of other strong emotions, but something that happened from that experience was that side of me, that need to validate my worth by overworking and people-pleasing and trying to be the best at all times and really being so hard on myself, I was able to kind of step back from that side of myself. And I think when that happened, the firm gave me such a gift because they really cured me of people pleasing. They showed me that I could do my absolute damnedest and work my hardest. And it still may not be enough to meet their standards of what they expected. Even though I was just taking a maternity leave, that was part of my compensation. And so I I really it was a gift. It was a a, Bad way to get a gift, but it really did open up my eyes to wow, okay, maybe this is going to give me some freedom and some flexibility to decide maybe I want to do things differently, maybe I want to put myself first, maybe I want to put my health first, maybe I want to start a law firm at some point in time, you know, that was just starting to become. I had always thought I might do it, but at that point I was like, wow, maybe this is going to be, you know, I'm going to pivot and and go down a different road and um, it was really a it was a big change in my life, and in good ways and in bad ways. And I, I share it so you can hear that experience, and you can kind of take that for what it is as you enter into your own um, law school careers. But flash forward to now, I had a second son. I went back to the firm for a bit, and then I realized it was it was time. The time had come to start my own firm, to really go all in on my coaching business, all in on this podcast, my community for all of you, and so. This was my story. The story is far from over. My Right now, we're, I'm building a law firm with my best friend, which comes with its own amazing things and its own challenges. And our journey is really just beginning as entrepreneurs in the legal space, we're having a really great time. We're learning a lot of lessons. Um, I'm going to have my law partner, Kristen Landon, on the podcast soon. So we can talk about, you know, our journey so far, what we're doing, where we're going, how our money is working, marketing and connections and all the things. So if if that, if starting a law firm is something that you may want to do down the road, uh, you know, just to start to kind of give you ideas and, and planting those seeds, but share this podcast episode or your favorite episode on Instagram definitely subscribe subscribe on apple spotify youtube wherever it is that you're listening or watching follow along there's going to be so many amazing episodes coming out this year and of course next year for season two so i can't wait to meet so many of you send me your issues send me what you're going through dm me on instagram lawyer lauren klein let's connect and let me help you become a wealthy future lawyer thank you so much